Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me for episode number five. In this episode, we are going to talk about things that you can do with your students during reading or while you are reading in a small group. But before we dive in, I want to point out a really big topic that as I was kind of reviewing my notes about what I wanted to talk about, I thought, oh man, you know, I'm talking about what we're doing in a small group. What about kids reading independently? And I felt like that would be a question that would come. Your goal for your students is to train them in your small group time, give them strategies in your small group time, and in time and with lots and lots of practice, these things will become more second nature and more things that they naturally do or transition them from being strategies that they use to skills that they have mastered. This episode is really gonna be two parts. So the first is just reminders and reasoning as to what we should be doing in our small groups as far as reading comprehension. And then I have some activities for you to actually practice some of the strategies that are really, really important during reading. So the purpose of during reading activities is to be monitoring comprehension. And so many of our students will read, 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 and they said, well, I read it. I don't know what it meant, but I read it. Well, then you weren't monitoring your comprehension. If you just read seven paragraphs and you have no idea what they said, why did you read seven paragraphs before realizing you have no clue what the heck you're reading? We have to teach our students to monitor their comprehension. And you can do that in a variety of ways. So first, I think we need to teach our students to be aware of words and sentences that are difficult. Not one person on this earth can read any given sentence and know exactly what it means or know every single word. And we have to be models for our students to see. We don't know all the words. We may not know what every sentence means. Maybe there are some sentences we should stop and discuss because maybe I think it means something, but somebody else in the group has different background knowledge and it might mean something different to them. So we need to stop and discuss words and sentences that are difficult. We should also be showing and demonstrating and facilitating a place where they can ask questions. Now, I really feel like a broken record. How many times have I said, ask questions, ask questions, teach your kids to ask questions. They're not asking questions. And it's important. That's why it's been mentioned so many times. Our students are not naturally inquisitive when it comes to reading. Other aspects of their life, they would. But reading, because it's difficult or because they don't have that strategy, they, they're, are not, they're not even thinking about asking a question. So it's our job to help facilitate a place 
where it's safe and it's almost expected. You know Mrs. Wilp is going to wonder what questions I have about this topic. You know she's going to ask me, who this? Why that? What about this? And in time, they will get used to asking questions. And so I have a quote. It comes from the book, Teaching Reading Comprehension to Students with Learning Difficulties. I'll link it in the show notes because it is a very, very helpful and insightful book. And the quote says, students who learned to ask why questions remembered what they had read better than students who read the text without asking questions. This procedure is effective because it helps students connect relevant prior knowledge to what they are reading and it makes the facts they are reading about more memorable. Now, we've talked about asking questions a lot, and we have also talked about background knowledge quite a bit. So asking questions relates to that background knowledge that we have talked about so, so much. So be a good model and help your students begin to ask more questions. Another thing that we should be doing in our small groups is demonstrating and showing the importance of rereading. We should be rereading text multiple times, especially if we're trying to answer or discuss high level questions, we should be rereading. Even if it's not rereading the entire text, even if it's rereading a paragraph or two or one section, demonstrating that good readers they don't read it all one time and instantly have all the information just poured into their head and now they get it. Good readers also have to go back and reread. That's not something that only the people who don't get it have to do. It's just common and it's just what we do. Making predictions is also something that we should really be spending some time during our small groups working on. And this is a way to monitor themselves by making predictions. Well, what do I think is going to happen next? Okay, I was right about that. What do I think is going to happen then? Oh man, I was way off with that. And you're monitoring your own comprehension when you're making those predictions because either you were right or you were way wrong. Either way, you're checking yourself to see, was I correct? Was I incorrect? Yep, I'm right on track. So making predictions helps your students monitor their comprehension without even thinking about it. Honestly, by doing that, we're kind of giving them a purpose. Hey, you said that this is what he wanted for his birthday. Okay, let's see if you're right. That's your purpose. That's your mission to see, were you correct? Now, for many of our students, they do a good job making predictions. They just may not always be the most realistic predictions. And we read a story in my reading series. It is called My Gift, I think. I think it's week 21, if I remember correctly, in the green level. And with that, we on day one, we learned that the main character really loved airplanes and gliders. And he also had a hobby of putting things together or doing crafts. I think that was it. He was doing crafts. And with that, then our our strategy that day was to make a prediction about what he he was asking his mom for. What gift did he want for his birthday? And we know he likes to put things together and we know he's really into airplanes. And some of my students nailed it. He wanted a model airplane and they knew that right away. Oh, he wants a model airplane. 
some of my students did not have any background knowledge of a model airplane. So their prediction was off, but that's okay. And the other, I had two students who got it right, right away. Yep, he wants a model airplane. Two others said, he wants a puppy. Okay, does he want a puppy or do you want a puppy for your birthday? Both of them were like, yeah, yeah, I really want a puppy. So they're using their background knowledge. What did they want for their birthday? And we can monitor their comprehension and talk about, well, remember, he said he really loves airplanes. Did he tell us anything about wanting a puppy? And so you can have conversations. You can check for understanding and teach them to check for understanding in some of those predictions. Maybe they said they wanted a new, I, I might say, I think he wants a new MacBook. Oh, did it talk about a MacBook in there? Well, that's probably incorrect. That's probably not what he was asking for for his birthday. That's what I want for my birthday. So those are ways to monitor comprehension as you're reading. We should also be practicing our summarizing skills or our retelling skills, depending on the age range of students that you're working with. But being able to tell the key details, the big ideas, the big points of the story. And that's hard for our students. And sometimes even verbally, not even asking them to write it, but even verbally can be very difficult for them. So we need to practice that. We need to model that. We need to give them examples of that. Maybe take reading and text out of it and ask them to tell you about their favorite movie or TV show or a book or a YouTube video, something else that they've watched and show them, you just gave me a summary. When you told me about that episode of SpongeBob, that is a summary. You told me the big things or, you know, but that was not a summary. I think you said every single word that actually appeared in the episode or that was actually said, and we need to pare it down and give them some guidance and show them what it means to summarize. We now know what our students should be doing as they're reading. In a small group, we are doing all of the things that I just shared to help us monitor our comprehension. And for us, it is our job to find some activities to help them do that. So in this episode, I'm going to share five ways, but know that there are hundreds, thousands of activities that you could do with your students to practice asking questions, to show them that we need to reread, to make predictions, to summarize, to find words or sentences that are difficult for them. So I'm going to share five just because it's a nice number. I shared five things to do before you read. I'll share five during and we'll do five after next week. That way you have something to start with, but please know if there's an activity that you love and you feel like it helps target one of those things that we should be doing during reading, then do it. Keep doing it with your students because it will help them develop that strategy so that it can become a skill. So my first activity is called support my statement. I love this activity because you can use it for so many reading strategies, so many things. Maybe if you're working on main idea or finding the theme or making a prediction, comparing and contrasting, really whatever your skill is, you as the teacher could formulate a statement and ask your students to prove it. 
So before your reading, you would tell, or before you actually dive in, you would tell them your statement. And you're going to ask them to find sentences as you read, and they could read on their own. You could read it to them, maybe a combination of both, depending on the time of the year or the level of your students, and ask them to highlight it, put a post-it note, have a special signal like buzz or ding, 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 whenever they hear a sentence that supports your statement. So their purpose is to find a sentence or find two sentences. You could choose what number works and ask them to find something that supports your statement. We all know that the end goal is for them to be coming up with a statement, but we have to start small. We have to start at a place where they are ready. So you as the teacher come up with a statement, tell them what the main idea is make a prediction and then have them find the proof, the evidence as you read to see, is your statement right or is your statement wrong? Maybe you write an incorrect statement and you ask them to find something that proves that you're wrong. Your kids will love to prove that you're wrong. So give them an opportunity to support or maybe disprove your statement in the activity that I call support my statement. You could also complete character maps. So this is something that we have all seen so many times for so many different things, whether it's a graphic organizer that you use for reading or a graphic organizer that you use for writing. But to me, the biggest difference for us as special education teachers is preparing those character maps ahead of time so that your students, all they're doing is actively looking for proof for the things that you put. So maybe you put the main character in a bubble that's in the middle and you have two or three sub bubbles off of that that have different words that would describe that character or that might talk about a specific event. Whatever strategy you're trying to work on would be what feeds that information that you're going to put in the bubbles. Then as they read, they're looking and they can write words, sentences, draw pictures, whatever it is around the bubbles that prove whatever that characteristic is or that describe whatever that setting is or whatever topic or skill you're asking them to do, then they would prove it in a character map. Now, I am such a visual person. I was really scared to do a blog, a podcast for a long time because I like a blog so I can show you pictures. So in the show notes, there will be a link to a blog post with a picture of a character map because I feel like seeing it will be better than my terrible description of all of these bubbles that you're gonna write some words in and ask your students to draw pictures about later. You could also give your students a three, two, one chart. Now. Whenever I taught fifth grade, I use this a lot more, but I do have a way that I use it with my younger students. So what is a three, two, one chart? Well, a three, two, one chart asks students to write three things that they discovered, two interesting things and ask one question. So three things, two things, one thing. With that, after they have read or you have read, you're gonna ask them to complete that. And they can be words, phrases, complete sentences, whatever you feel is appropriate for your students. Um, for the things they discovered, a lot of times they can copy that directly from the text. 
two interesting things, again, they can copy that right from the text. And generating a question, they might need help with some of those like who, what, when, where, how, why question words. But a lot of the other things might come from the text. There might be other words that they could steal from the text for some of your older students. And again, that gets them monitoring their own comprehension. Well, what did I discover? Well, what did I think was interesting? Maybe I need to reread because I didn't discover anything or I didn't think anything was interesting or new to me or I don't have any questions and they might need to go back and reread. So for my younger kids though, we just do a lot of this orally or we divide things up. I want you to tell me something that you discovered and I want you to come up with something that's interesting and I'd like for you to come up with one question. And so we can kind of divide these things up so that in the end they have a purpose and they're trying to tell me one really cool fact. Or sometimes when we read things three times, this time we're all looking for something that we discovered. We did not know this before and we discovered it as we were reading today. Or the second time we read, I want you to think of what do you think is the most interesting piece of information here? So even if it's not a chart, even if it's not something that requires writing, just asking your students to be on high alert for what did you discover? What did you find interesting? And what question do you have after we have read that? We should also be showing our students that as readers, it is okay to stop and react. It's okay to stop and implement another strategy. So we might have to plan when we are going to stop so that there is an appropriate place to ask a question or make a prediction or be like, whoa, was there anything that surprised you in that section? Or talk about big, big things that may have just occurred. So we need to teach our kids that we should be stopping. We should be talking about things. We should be thinking or rereading and that it's okay to stop and react. And when I do this, I make that stop pretty dramatic. I know when I'm going to have them stop. And so we make it pretty dramatic like, whoa, 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 we need to stop guys. Something big just happened. We need to stop and talk about it. Or, oh my gosh, I have so many things going through my head right now, guys. Let's stop and make a prediction. So it's okay to stop and react. Another activity that I love is called Think of Three. Now with Think of Three, you could honestly use any other number besides three, but I like the alliteration of Think of Three. I like that, but you could use whatever is more appropriate for your students. So for me, I give them something to look for, something to support. Maybe it's words that they don't know. Maybe it's, I made a prediction and I want you to prove if I am correct or incorrect or whatever task. But as they find sentences or words throughout, they're going to stick up a finger. So as I say one thing, they're going to put up one finger. If in paragraph number four, they're like, ooh, that sentence, it goes with whatever she said. Ooh, that sentence, that's really great. Each time they put up a finger. Now, if you don't wanna use fingers, maybe you wanna use post-it notes or highlighter tape or actual highlighters. Anything to get your students actively looking for whatever the topic is. 
So maybe I say the main idea is the last activity is called think of three. Now, three is just a random number that happens to sound so perfect with think. I like the alliteration there, think of three, but you could definitely do think of five, think of two, think of four, whatever. I like think of three. So as we think of three, we are working on practicing really any of our reading comprehension strategies. So recently, I used think of three with main idea. And so as I read the passage, they were looking for the main idea. What was this whole thing about? Now, to go back to support my statement, you could also give them the main idea. But here, they were coming up with the main idea on their own. And anytime we read something that they felt like, ooh, this sentence might be telling me what the main idea is, they would put up a finger to count one, two, three, and then they would underline it in their book. So I try to read at a nice slow pace. I pause after each paragraph so that they can have some time to catch up, but they are looking for three things to underline or three things to highlight. Maybe it's using a post-it note and they stick a post-it note over top of it, but they count those as they underline, highlight, or put their post-it. The goal is to find three things that support the main idea or three things that help me make a prediction or three things that prove my prediction. Either way, whatever strategy you're working on, you can tie it in and give them a purpose as they're reading to be thinking of three things. What three things in here really helped me make a prediction? What three things here really told me that vultures are in danger, but they're not all cute and cuddly, so nobody really cares. So what things are in the story? My favorite part of this comes after we have finished reading, where they have to explain what they chose, and they have to explain why that supports the main idea. And this is where that monitoring comprehension, they might change some of their answers. They might realize that another sentence better explained the main idea or better helped make a prediction. So it really gives them a purpose. It really helps them monitor. Is it this? Is it that? Does this make sense? Does that make sense? Plus, they usually enjoy it because they get to use a highlighter or they get to use post-it notes. So it's a fun activity for them. Man, oh man, I don't know about you, but that feels like a lot to do while reading. During a small reading group, we as teachers have so much that we're trying to balance. So I don't wanna overwhelm you with all of the things that you should be doing with your kids. For us, most teachers naturally pause and ask questions. We naturally stop and ask them to make predictions. So really, I want this episode to be more encouraging you to demonstrate, think aloud, show them what you're doing, show them what they could or should be doing while they're reading. That's okay. That's going to help them learn to do some of these things independently. That brings up another topic. All of these things are, in my mind, meant to be done in a small group where you as the teacher are there to support them. Now, you could certainly take a lot of these activities and do them in a whole group. That's fine. But for some of our students with disabilities, we know that the reading part might be difficult 
And they could learn some of these reading strategies if you're the reader. So take time to start slow, be the reader, be the one doing some of that so that they can focus on comprehension. And over time, shove a little more of that work onto them, which I think of, others may not, but I think of like I do, we do, you do. Shift it. Over time, they will do more and you'll do less. But initially, it's okay for you to read. It's okay for you to demonstrate so much of what you're thinking. It's okay for you to read it and think that they're just going to have these great answers and then be like, oh my goodness, you highlighted that. You thought that was it, but help them. They're learning and transition into more independence. So next week, we will be talking all about what you can do after you are reading to help your students better understand what they've read. I'll see you next week. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the Resource Room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.